Hello, I am Anika Orock, author of The Incredible Women of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, and you are listening to the fabulous Baseball and Barbecue Podcast with Jeff and Len. Hi, this is Gary Mack of the Mets Musings Podcast, and you're listening to Jeff and Len on Baseball and Barbecue, one of my favorite podcasts, and I know it's one of yours, too. The only problem is, after I get done listening to it, I'm hungry. All right, guys, take it away. This is a song of Wisconsin Where's her sky Welcome to episode number 68 of Baseball and BBQ. I am Len Aberman, and I am here with my incredibly talented co-host, Jeff Cohen. And you are so right on with that description. Thank you very much. Absolutely. We are two excited hosts bringing you Baseball and BBQ. We have the continuation of Ricer, who if you if you heard our episode 67, you know that he has a video uh, video. He has a YouTube channel, Dead Broke Barbecue, also Tavern Talk. Tavern Talk. Right. And, he, and he's just very talented. Jeff, I've been watching some of his videos even more than I had watched, you know, prior to our interview. He's funny, he's talented. I really think that we made a great discovery. I think we've discovered a great talent. And, and yes. I think, it's, he's going to thank us for, for you know, everyone's going to thank us for discovering this great talent named Reiser. <laughs> yeah, he, he's great. And I like the way on Sunday nights when he has his tavern talk, he interacts with the people on, on YouTube. You can put the comments in the comment section and he begins to do right on the video. It's really cool. Yeah, I do too. And the fact that he could just sit there and, and converse with everyone and keep you interested when he's just sitting there, basically, and people are coming and going, and it's really interesting. Enjoy yeah. him very much. Yeah. And then after Ricer, and after you and I do some things that we haven't done in a while, we are going to have on D.B. Firstman, author of Hall of Name, which is a great book, very interesting book. In the interview, I told D.B. how much I enjoyed the book. Yes, and we, we should tell everybody that we did the interview prior to the baseball season. So if you hear some references in there, if there's a baseball season, this was done prior to baseball season. And this is absolutely a, a great book. DB goes back into the origin of, of names and really unique take on these players that you know, most of them you never heard of, but their names you'll never forget. And before we do Ricer, before we get to Ricer, before we get to DB, can I just say something you, you just mentioned? And I, I, we could go on and on about this, and I, and I know I'm going to open a big can of worms here, but we said prior to the baseball season, this baseball season is just, to me, it's an exhibition season. But am I opening a can of worms here? Can we, can we talk about it after Ricer? We'll talk about it after Ricer. Okay. And we pick up Ricer in the interview. We're talking about his Facebook page and barbecue that he has called the Oklahoma Joe's. So enjoy this part two of Ricer. So, Ricer, I'm looking at your Facebook page, and it's called 
Bedbroke BBQ. Uh, everybody should yeah. go on and check it out. I'm looking yeah. at the post. Uh, you posted a Oklahoma Joe's. I never saw this type of cooker before. Could you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that one? The Bronco? Are you talking about the Bronco? The little barrel cooker? It looks like a little barrel with a, with a side tube on the, on the side there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, that is their style of, like, let's say, a gateway drum smoker. Pretty efficient little cooker, and I haven't had a ton of cooks off of it. I think I've cooked about 12 times on it now. I, I've got a video that I'm editing right now with doing some baby back ribs on it. And I threw my Ultra Q in there just because we're at 4th of July and I wanted to make sure because I had to be done at a certain time with my buddy and all that. That That is just a kind of a copy, not copycat, it's kind of a hybrid, let's say. I want to say hybrid with this one of the barrel house and the, uh, the, the pit barrel. It kind of takes both things. Uh, you can grill on it pretty simple. You just kind of throw that def- heat deflector in a different position. You can, it's got bars. You can hang ribs on it. it. It's a really cool little cooker, and it's inexpensive. It's not as expensive as the pit barrel is. You know, pit barrel is a good cooker. You, you throw stuff in there. I used to get so pissed when I'd watch people on YouTube, and they're like, I, I don't put a you know, I put my signals in there and it's running 285. What the heck? Well, that's a garbage can, man. You throw your stuff in there and when it's done, it's done. It's how it is, you know? (laughs) It's true. So, but this, this little Bronco, you can adjust it. Now they have the Bronco pro that they kind of push more for the comp guys. That's a little bigger. That's a bigger, because this is just an 18 inch and their, their, their pro is, well, it must be 22 as one of my, my best educated guesses. Um, but yeah, you got you got your intake and you got your stack. So it's pretty simple. You dial it in. I have friends that have it. You, you know, the funny thing about the greatest thing in the world is I have all my friends. I moved back to my hometown, let's say. You know, I moved back. Years later, I moved back. So I have a few friends around here and we hang out all the time. They're not big barbecuers. A couple of them are, but not most of them. I've learned and met a lot of people from the Facebook groups that I can actually kind of say I've never shook their hand, COVID-19, but I've never actually met them. Um, But we've become really good friends and we share our knowledge. And I still will tell you, I'm a backyarder, you know, hey, I'll Mm -hmm. tell you what beers to grab. You know, I'll grab, I'm sponsored by a wine company. I'll tell you what wine you're serving brisket. Well, let's get a good, you know. Uh, so beyond no, you know, let's get it, you know, let's, let's, let's get a Cabernet, you know, let's, let's pump it up, you know, so I can tell you that type of stuff. But, but I've learned and became good friends with a lot of different people that love barbecue. And a couple guys have told me that that cooker will cook 14 to 15 hours, no problem with a very small charcoal basket now you can get the mods and buy the little bigger charcoal baskets there's a guy i can't think of his name it's like slide hand so so that's what's cool about when you buy a new cooker it's not just the cooker it's like all the accessories and all these different things that you can add to it i want a cooker if i buy it and it comes out of the box it better cook i want it to cook but if i really like this cooker then i want to add something else to it you know that's Mm -hmm. how i you know, yeah, but, I yeah, see that, that. I see you add the the Ultra Q on this Oklahoma Joe's, and yeah. uh, yes, that that must have come from BBQ Guru because I know uh, that they sell it over there. We're good friends with them. 
Yep. Bob sent it to me and it was mm-hmm. a pleasure. I always wanted one. I was, I did a uh, Weber kettle cook with a brisket and I, it was so incredible how that, that control, I've never had a controller. Let's face it. I'm not a comp guy. I don't have to worry about, you know, the walk right. and check-ins and all that. So it's like, you know, I, I still like my friends will come over and I'll say, well, I'll come around five o'clock and they'll come in. Hey, what time are we eating? Can't rush good barbecue. I can still use <laughs> yeah. it. So wins, house, uh, you know? You're right. <laughs> I like that. Right. You know, so, but, but in all reality, there is certain things. Well, that, controller made that brisket cook i mean literally i was twiddling thumbs i was sitting there going can i do something no i don't have to do nothing i don't have to change i don't have to change my dampener setting or my vent setting at all on this weber kettle one time just set it and forget it so so and i my my video with me drilling through it my buddy and i drill through this weber kettle so hilarious it's freaking one of the best things ever Bob called or sent me a text. He's like, I'm so sorry. I should have told you to buy a step down drill. No, dude, this is real life. When people buy crap and they start messing with it, they make mistakes. I made a mistake. I didn't pay attention. So I'm putting this video up so people can realize that I'm human. I am. I can make a video, make me look like Superman, but this thing came through and I threw, you know, me and my buddy screwed up. We drilled the, 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 whole saw walked all over scratched up the whole kettle on the inside oh well grab some paint or just drill it through it and leave it let it rust up you know it's a, it's a cooker it doesn't matter so you know but really a hundred percent um that guru thing if you don't have one and i don't get paid by those guys to say anything if you don't have one get one but it's probably going to cost twice as much as your cooker <laughs> you know <laughs> Jeff, I've got to, I, I wanted to tell him this before when we were talking about the pit barrel and he would mention the ribs dropping in and then you asked a couple of questions, but I, I got to just tell him my, my confession. I, I, I just can't, we, we had an episode and Jeff was the priest and I made a confession and I'm going to, I'm going to confess again right now. I don't know what makes me want to confess, but I have to. Right, right. Um, you mentioned you mentioned the pit barrel mm-hmm. and love it, but one day I'm making ribs in it and I wanted them to be super tender. Sure. And yeah. I get them to the point where they're tender, but I'm thinking, oh, I'll keep going. I'll make them more tender. And you know, we're gonna we're bringing them over to my mother-in-law's and um, we're gonna have some food over there. So I'm like, let me go. I smell like, you know, I smell like smoke. Good smell, but let me go shower. I run in, I take a shower, I come outside, and there is an incredible amount of smoke coming from this pit barrel. And there shouldn't be because we're at the near the end of the cook. (laughs) And it is smoking like crazy. And I open this lid and the smoke just goes up in my face. And I can, and and I'm like, you know, uh, and I see through the smoke, just a couple of hooks with like little meat remnants on. (laughs) And where are the ribs? They fell right down in the fire. So I know of what you said before. And I I got greedy. As as Jeff said, you got greedy. You you did it too much. So I know exactly, exactly what you're saying. And so now I'm very careful with that. I'll go really low 
I'll, I'll go like three or four bones down and I'll curl yeah. it over. Right. And maybe even I'll double hook it. Yeah. Because yeah. And it, does, it, and it, yeah. Yeah. it does. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, uh, I know I've said that before. Listeners of this show are going to say I'm repeating myself, but. Uh, oh, that's a good story though. <laughs> I'm glad you shared it with me, man. You know? Yeah. It's, <laughs> and then, and, and of course, Jeff gave me a hard time, but lo and behold, a few weeks later, Jeff did it. Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a little trick. Okay. On the pit barrel after the, that, that time I did it, you know, I mean, literally I cooked two, two cooks of ribs before that, when I, before I did my video and I thought, okay, yeah, I can, I, I can do this. You know, it's not a big deal. And it's funny because I did kind of, I had one that I knew was really close, but it's like, eh, you know, I, I don't remember if I had six ribs in there or only three. I mean, I have to go back and watch the video and one goes down and I'm like, man down, you know, and I just put my arm right down in that barrel because like Ooh. after cooked enough, I mean, who cares? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been told that you know, hey, redneck, you should probably like, you know, carry, worry more about your safety and all that. And it's like, you know how many times I, I have done things around fire in a pit? Um, yeah, I'm probably breaking OSHA rules, but oh, well. You, know? <laughs> you would think so. Yeah. So, so, but I, I threw, threw my arm right down there and it singed my hair and I grabbed it and pulled it right out. And we, it was still good because it wasn't down there very long. You know, it was just but hanging a little extra char. And I'm like, hey, these are kind of good. But the rest of them turned out decent. But here's a trick. I started doing this after on the pit barrel. I started double hooking them and then flipping them. I, I would cook them for one hour and then pull the hooks out and then flip them on the other side. And that actually I haven't had one split off mm. yet. So I haven't had one split off. I've seen other guys that leave the membranes on it when they're doing the hanging ribs. You know, I call them hanging ribs. I, I, right. Who knows why the hell I call them it, but I call it that. I mean, these mm -hmm. are hanging ribs, you know, and probably because I didn't do it ever. You know, when I never did a barrel until I bought that, you know. So so the, the, the hanging thing, yeah, rotate those hooks, throw them on the other side and flip them over. A little bit more work, but give them one hour one way and then flip them over the other. But really... You can cook in if you're cooking in a pit barrel three ish hours, those ribs are done. You know? Oh, yeah, you, you'll yeah. never. I, I tried to I tried to tell my buddy that one time when I did them, I said, Well, sometimes the middle bone it's probably not going to be that bite off, snap off from there. It's it's gonna, you know, it doesn't quite, but if you wrap them, well, then you like this video that's coming out pretty soon, I wrapped them, they're good. Man, perfect you know hang them for a few hours and then wrap them up but it's harder to stack them in a pit barrel in that oklahoma joe's you got a little bit more of a hood you know that it's got a little bit of a yeah so right when you, you wrap them there's not as much room but when you right. put your when you put your arm down you got the yeah. two bars and those yeah. bars get hot too so Heck you're yeah. putting your arm down not only first of all i know you know you, you got a lot of smoke coming out because the meat hits the coals you're putting right. your arm down. You got the two bars on either side, which get hot. Yep. And you're reaching down into. You can't see where you're reaching. No. So you uh, you're you're a little dangerous you're, there. A little bit. If you watch some of my older videos, and, and I don't have that many. I I don't know if I have even sixty. 
cooks or so, 70 cooks. You know, I mean, I've got a little bit with my show. I don't even know if I have 50. I, I, I'd have, I don't count, to be really honest with you, fellas. Mm-hmm. fellas I mean, I really don't. But I, I will tell you that I tell when I have a charcoal chimney, I tell everybody, set this thing aside because this thing is hot. Because one time I took that charcoal chimney, dumped it in my kettle, and set it right down on the ground. And I literally fried my ankle, like some third-degree crazy dumbass burn. You know, sorry for swearing, but it was really a dumb move. And mm-hmm. I pushed myself something serious. I mean, oh, it, yeah. it, it, it hurt. And so that's why, you know, there's like things that I try to tell people from my own experience of playing with fire, playing with fire, you know, yeah. that's an assistant fire chief because he at least told me that fire is dangerous because <laughs> the, ch- the chimney starter, the, mm-hmm. the hot coals in it. I mean, yeah. there's no better way to start a fire except, I mean, I guess if you have one of those blowtorch things or whatever, right. But, right, right. but the hot coals, yeah, when you dump that in and even, even when you're dumping it in, and you've got the, you know, the sparks coming up and everything. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah you, you got to be careful. Yeah, because I, I, mean, I literally <laughs> burnt my ankle and I was swearing like, uh, like, oh, like a Norwegian farmer that just lost his cows, man. Because it was, it was, it was a wild ride, you know. So, but yeah, so I, I, there's certain things that. You, because that's the thing that I try to teach people just for my, what do we teach people in life? We teach people from our mistakes. Really. We try to teach people that we we've made a mistake. You know, we didn't know how to balance a checkbook. So what do we do? We try to teach our kids how to balance a check cooking. I just try to teach my viewers things that I learned, you know, and you can't ever tell me anybody that anybody that first starts out, especially cooking, they they've burnt toast before when they first started. Heck yeah, they burnt toast. You know, everybody has those those situations. So share it, share it because and, other people learn from it. You know. Yeah. So how many you you, you go live on Sunday nights uh, yeah. and you, you get a couple of people you interview on? How, how do you uh, are these people you just find uh, on Facebook or just friends of yours? I know you had someone last week, uh, someone in Sadie. I think they were out in California. Yeah, yep, yeah. I had uh, Todd and Sassy. Todd and Sassy, right. They were good. Yeah, Yeah, I had Kitchen Mofo, and he's a big, I mean, he's a good YouTuber, and he's he's Italian. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. I... I'll be honest with you. I love. I want have a lot of. Sub- I subscribe to a lot of barbecue channels, but I like to watch other things because I mean, I'm no professional barbecuer. Mm-hmm. Cook me under the table all day long, but I like to make spaghetti. <laughs> you know what I mean. I like to learn, make other stuff. Right. You can't yeah. live on barbecue. Well, I guess. Yeah, you could, especially but. when it's ten years ten, or ten below zero. I mean, who the hell wants to go outside all the time? You know, we do. When you live in the, the North Woods or when you live in northern states, you still do it because you like it and you force yourself to go out there with mittens and stockings and, and all this crap and you go out there and do this, you know. But you don't always want to do it. So you kind of want to learn from different things. And I really like the mofo. I mean, mofo is a funny guy, you know. So so I had him on um, – and then Todd and Sassy from Greenhorn Barbecue and Beer. So what really kind of happens is I'll reach out to somebody and say, hey, you want to be on? Yeah. Um, I've got like Russ Jones. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. I do probably more YouTubers on my show mm-hmm. than 
then, but I've had like, um, um, some manufacturers. I got, uh, Brad Garrett is coming from, from girl greats. He's going to be on pretty soon. I've had nice. uh, um, Dan Corso from, uh, Oklahoma Joe's. He's the plant manager. So I have him come, I had him on. So I am trying to get some manufacturers on my show too, because let's face it, I'm a YouTuber. YouTubers watch me, but my fans and my subscribers, I want to have a little bit of barbecue information for them. So I, I was doing way too many people. This is my BS time on Sunday nights. My show is really just about whatever the heck I want to do. I'm not going to lie to you. I have no rhyme or reason to my show. I just do it. Well, I tell you that. My gosh. I, yeah, yeah. You just kind of do it because you enjoy barbecue, so you do it. You know, and, and, and YouTube always gives you a thumbs up when you try to be more consistent on uploading and stuff like that. So I decided because I have fancy equipment, I thought, well, I'm going to do my own show. I'm going to do some live stream stuff. And, and, and I'm an affiliate with live streaming pros. I mean, if you ever want to learn how to live stream, go to those guys. I'm going to give them a David, a plug. David is a, is become kind of a off and on conversation back and forth via v email and, and texting. He's, he's told me someday you're going to beat me. Well, no way, dude. You know what I mean? This is your mm -hmm. profession, you know, but, 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 but in all reality, my show is just about like contacting people that I want to have on and bring them on. I, I do like to do what I call my, um, and I, Johnny Mags, you guys probably are familiar with Johnny. Yep. We um, had him on. Yeah. So Johnny Meggs says, I said, well, I want to do something, you know, where it's just me. And he goes, well, call it Ricer Speakeasy. So I do a speakeasy once a month or something like where it's just me, no guest, because I did get hammered in the comments. All right, dude, I like these other people, but I subscribe to you. So I want to talk to you. So, so that's where I kind of do the, 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 my, just me. And, I, and I'm not really about me to be honest with you. It's hard for me sometimes to do those, but it's easier because I don't have to do audio checks and I don't have to do thumbnails and all that type of stuff that goes along with YouTube. But, but yeah, my, my, my barbecue talk, we can talk about dirt bikes if you really want to, if you want to talk about dirt bikes, we'll talk about it. What, what about the Milwaukee Brewers? So how, so we're baseball and BBQ. So you know you're Wisconsin. How's the how the Brewers gonna do? I well, I think they'll still be mediocre. They'll come close. You know they're gonna they they got some really good athletes. You know, and the last few years it's been good to be a Brewer fan because I've been a Brewer fan and you watch until um, the All Star break and then you quit watching because it's like it's over. <laughs> you know? um, but no, I mean like Ryan Braun. I mean I. I Yes, there's the the steroid issue that that came up and all that with him and all that, but I still like him as a person. I mean, people make big mistakes, and when you're talking about huge dollars, people do dumb things for huge dollars. T Turnbull, I mean, we're going back a ways. I love that guy. He was like like uh, the Hanson brother. You remember him? He was our oh sure. Brother. Yeah, I mean, I loved him because he just looked like a moron out there on the mound. <laughs> It was wild and crazy, but I love that guy. That's the type of baseball I like. You know, Raleigh, I grew up in the Raleigh Fingers days, you know, mm -hmm. and Robin Yount and Raleigh with those big old, you know, curls. Sure. Man, man, that was drop dead sexy. That dude knew how to throw a stash up, you know. So. <laughs> 
So, so that, that was kind of like, you know, my, my era when I was a kid, cause I played a lot of baseball. My boys play baseball. Um, they, they, I don't want to tell you that it's, it's not their favorite sport. Their favorite sport is football. I'm a, I'm a former football coach, youth football coach. I retired now last year was my last year, but yeah, I mean the Brewers, we've, we haven't had anything since the Braves left. My grandma was a big Braves fan and she became a, a Brewer fan. She goes, wow, the Braves left. I, you know, this is Milwaukee. So we got to still root for them, you know? So we, I'm a Brewer fan. I'm a Brewer fan that doesn't have much, but we've got a couple like, you know, wannabes, you know, we're a couple wannabes late now. I think they'll do okay. I mean, they got a good lineup. Their pitching is all right. Um, I mean, the thing that I think that I've learned from watching enough, I don't watch a ton, but I watch enough. It's all about pitching, man. You get yeah. that it's all about pitching. You know, if you got good pitchers, you can do. But you got one of the great young hitters in, in the game today with Christian Yelich. Yeah, and he, he's a class active when I watch him. You know, he's just a cool cat. You know, I mean, it's, if somebody that I'd want to be friends with, it's Christian. You just see him the way he is. He just seems like a down-to-earth nice guy guy you know and he's and he's and he's my boys would say this is the wrong thing to say he's a try hard my, my boys oh you're a try hard that that's like negative i say he's a try hard because he cares you, you can see that in him you know so so the part of that yeah I, i'm hoping that it'd be fun to get back to the series hopefully these you know everybody wants their team to win a series i'd like to see milwaukee just do it one time because they're, uh-huh. they're a small market, you know. I don't think baseball is set up the way it should be. Small markets get, you know, the the lint out of the the big the big markets' pockets. And okay, well, try to you know, well, you're gonna have to eat vegetables for a couple of weeks. Sorry, guys. You know, I, I don't think that it's really fair. I wish there was more salary cap stuff that was like because I really think the NFL any year any team can win the championship. Mm. And, that's my thing with baseball. I think it's always been directed to the the big dogs, you know. And, you know, Milwaukee, in the days when they used to fight the Yankees, that was fun. That was fun because I can't say how I don't like the Yankees. I think they've always been a good team, man. I mean, you can throw money at it. But it was cool when the Brewers beat the Yankees and they went to the World Series, you know? Yeah. So that was, you know, there's not many moments for a Brewer <laughs> fan, you know? You right. know there really isn't, you know? C.C. Uh, Sabath- uh, Sabathia, you know, he, where does he go? Yankees. Really? Yankees. Yeah, could you? <laughs> I read, hey, go to the Twins. Why didn't you go to the Twins? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's so true. You know, it's funny because you, you mentioned Milwaukee and, and by the All-Star game, they're done. But at least you don't have a Family Guy episode where where it's, here's the pitch. And the season's, season's over. over. <laughs> and that's for Mets fans. Because so far, Halloween's a bigger letdown than being a Mets fan. Opening day and here's the first pitch and the season's over. You know, you got some, you got some, you got some iron setting up, you know, and, and, and yeah, I, I hear you, you know, I mean, I, I, I will always say that New York people are way huger fans of baseball than Wisconsin. You know I mean, we're not going to be as big a baseball fans because 
the those gosh darn Packers. You know, there's songs about <laughs> the Packers. You know, so so they're always gonna like probably hold a a, a couple floats ahead of them. You know, but right. but yeah, but you got the best storyteller in all of baseball, and Bob Uecker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we do. You know, and he he needs a classic, and he's still around. You know, and there's not many years left of old Bob, mm. but. You talk about a guy, you know, I must be in the front row, you know, I mean, it, it, just a classic character and Milwaukee is truly blessed to have him as our sponsor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we really are because he could have probably gone other places, you know, so. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we are very lucky that you joined us, right, sir? You are welcome back anytime. We're so happy that you came on. We're not pit masters. We're just fat. And that's our new slogan. <laughs> we're not pit masters. We're just fat. And we think you're great. So, and, and tell us, tell everybody where they can find you uh, on Facebook and YouTube and any other social media they have out there. Well, you can find me on Instagram at deadbrokebbq. And you can find me on YouTube at deadbrokebbq. And you can find my Facebook page at deadbrokebbq. Everything is deadbroke. I'm a one man show. My wife helps me a little bit, you know, with filming and stuff like that, but I'm a one man show. So I don't have a lot of time to throw all these social meteors and all these interwebs and stuff like that. But I do try to post something um, every couple weeks on YouTube, but yeah, come over and check me out. I mean, you might get at least a little hoot out of me. I try to entertain you while I'm cooking and making barbecue. Thank you. Well, we were very entertained. Thank you, Philly. Uh, we appreciate it very much. Thanks I, again. I, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much. And we thank Reiser. Thank you. That is terrific. I'm Neil. If you didn't hear part one, go back to episode 67 and listen to part one. Part two was just as good. And we thank Reiser for his time. He's a really great guy. And I'm just disappointed now that we don't have a part three. Are you sure we can't? We can't. Maybe we'll have him back on so we can get a part three. I'm sure we can arrange one. that. <laughs> Speaking of barbecue, Jeff, I hope that our listeners are going to, and I want to remind them to go to baseballbbq.com. You know, they have incredible grilling tools, right? The, the spatula, the fork, the cutting boards. They also have shirts and hats. They're very, very nice and high quality. And I, and I just want to remind everyone to go to baseballbbq.com. Check it out. Check it out. Yeah. Really good stuff. Guys, it's they also they'll personally engrave it. If you have any kind of uh, you know, whatever you want to say, uh, they can engrave it on the handle. They they engrave for us our names on on the on the handles and they put our logo and they are the customer service is fantastic. They're gonna get you what you need. It makes a great gift, and it's still nice to just give a, a nice little gift if you are able to go to a barbecue and and you you know wear your mask of course but if you're going and you you want to know what should i bring as a gift it's a great gift right you yes. always wonder what should i bring well it's very nice personalized baseballbbq.com great stuff great people highly recommended Check it out. Check it out. So, Jeff, right before we, we, we started the interview, the part two with Reiser, I said something which isn't 
something unique that hasn't been said about this season, this season, this baseball season, or whatever you want to call it. Look, you have been definitely against all these rule changes, right? Now, some of these rule changes would have happened no matter what, but the putting a runner on second base in extra Um, innings, that wasn't going to happen this season. Nope. The seven-inning doubleheaders, each game in the doubleheader being seven innings, that wasn't going to happen. Nope. And and I just want to go there for a minute. Yeah, wait, wait. We got a show because we're going down a big rabbit hole. I, I, you're right. And and I have a feeling that we're going to have people that are going to definitely want to comment on that. So why don't you tell them how they could get in touch with the show? Get in touch with us. You can call us, 516-855-8214. Email us, baseballandbbq at gmail.com. Leave a comment on our Facebook page. Tweet us. We're at Baseball and BBQ. Go on to our Instagram, Baseball and Barbecue, with barbecues all spelled out. Check us out on our webpage, www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. What the, one, the one thing you and I were talking earlier in the day, and I was talking about these, these seven-inning doubleheaders. Baseball is a game that is rich in tradition, and it's rich in the in stats. There are certain stats, certain records that people know. We don't have to go over those. We know there are certain ones that just everybody knows. Now, the one thing that I was thinking about is how many games have gone seven innings where the pitcher has a no-hitter going? Plenty. Okay. Plenty. It gets broken up in the eighth. You hear dozens nine. of these a year. Right. Okay. He's carrying a no-hitter. into. He's got a no-hitter in the seventh. and everybody You, you, you get the notification right. starting in the sixth inning on your phone from, or from ESPN or whatever. Right. These double-headers, and there are going to be numerous ones because, look, the Cardinals – the Cardinals apparently, you know, they lost so many days, and now they're saying how they're going to have to play all these double headers. If a pitcher gets a no hitter in seven innings, that's it. Game's over. Seven innings. They pitched no hitter. Yep. Is that a no hitter? It's a no hitter. Complete game. That right. didn't go nine innings. It went the length of the game that that game was supposed to go. Right. So that's going to count as a no hitter. I don't know. I, 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 I assume it would. How are we going to look at those stats? Uh, are you, you going to count the game as a win and a loss? So I guess you're going to have to, right? right? Right. Yes. So I wonder, are we going to see some seven-inning no-hitters? You might. Really? It's, go, it's, going to, it's going to screw up the stats. That's for sure. You're going to have pitchers winning games where they won't, in nine-inning games, they won't because the, blow, the, the bullpen won't blow the games like they – they do nowadays, you know, inning seven, eight, nine. Right. And and I, I would assume you're going to have more complete games, too. Yeah, I would assume so, too. Right? Maybe you won't have, you know, the Cardinals have been like, they, they didn't play, you know, for well, when, when this airs, they'll be back to playing. But I think it was like 13 days in between, and they right. weren't practicing. They were holed up, in, I, I guess, in a hotel or whatever. They were, they were self-quarantining. So... It's just, and and now they're talking about, and maybe this will be resolved also by the time this airs, but they're talking about how you're going to have a team that there's no way can play 60 games. Maybe they get 40 in. Yeah. So how are they going to qualify for postseason? 
Is it going to be uh, winning percentage? Winning percentage? Yeah. Maybe it's to be discussed. And then, of course, if a guy hits 400, Charlie Blackman, right? The New York Times article today. Yeah. Who is that on? I forget the player on the Rockies. Oh, oh, right now, uh, Charlie Blackman. Yeah. That that's he's hitting like five something. Yeah. Over sixty games, you would think that it's it's got to be easier to hit. If if you're hitting that at this point, you have a much better chance uh, of hitting, uh, you know, close to 400 or 400 over 60 games than over a full 162. There's been a handful of players that hit 400 over 60 games. George Brett did it. Tony Gwynn done it. So it's possible. Right. So if, if in those cases, if they would they have had a, you know, if the season was 60 games, so... Would they have then, would it be, they were the last player to hit 400? Well, if Blackman does it this season, he would have been the last player to hit 400. Right. But I, I don't know how you don't put an asterisk next to that. It just... Because there's no asterisk in any record book. But I, but this is such a, a, a strange season. Plus, you've got so many players opting out. The thing is, if you go to Baseball Hall of Fame, it's all in a museum, and you can bet, you bet, you bet your bippy is going to be an exhibit on a, the 2020 baseball season and all the strange happenings. Now you're betting your bippy. I'm betting my bippy. Right. But let's get, you just, you just gave a, a, a perfect segue because I know that you have a baseball rant. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I'm getting a little tired. Some, I, you know, I don't know what's happening with other baseball pre and post game shows. I watch SNY, which is the Mets channel. I don't watch any other ones. I rarely watch the Yankee ones. But I've been noticing on this year's SNY, it's the storylines now is, is now gambling. Everything is now put into gambling. You can bet hundred dollars to win one hundred forty if I, I don't know Jeff McNeil hits gets two hits in the game, or if Stephen Max gets uh, five strikeouts. You can bet 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 under or over. What is going on? Gambling, now we know gambling is now based with the revenue, but you need to really force it down our throat. And, you know, and we know gambling is an addiction, right? And they're encouraging us to make bets. It's, it's ridiculous. And I just think it's just wrong. They shouldn't do it. I mean, you have these teenagers who are watching these games. Oh, let's place a bet. You know, ha, ha, ha. You know, it's going to ruin lives. It's just stupid to have it on. And, I don't, you know, they're in bed with DraftKings and FanDuel's. But it, I know it's... it's Part of life, but you don't need to really encourage it to happen. It's really stupid, and I wish SNY would stop doing it. Yeah, they give, they give stats, uh, you know, betting lines and everything, right? They, right? Yeah, and on the commercials for these FanDuel's and DraftKings, whatever they are, they have it. You have a gambling edition. You call you right. call one eight hundred Gambler. Right after they after, after they the take all your money, the commercial makes you like even if you don't have it, you want to gamble. And then they, oh, and if you have an addiction, you know, and if you don't, after hearing that commercial, you might. But yes. anyway, all right. So, Jeff, why don't we take it away with D.B. Firstman with the Hall of Name. D.B. Firstman has been a member of Sabre since the late 1980s. Besides the baseball blog Value Over Replacement Grit, D.B.'s work has appeared in ESPN.com, Bronx Banter, Baseball Prospectus, The Hardball Times, and in The Village Voice. D.B. is a graduate of St. John's University and lives in Queens, New York. D.B. has a new book called The Whole of Name. Welcome to Baseball and BBQ, D.B. Firstman. 
Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Okay. Hold on, guys. All right. I'm going to I'm going to interrupt before we start this. DB, you should know on this podcast, we have this habit of confessing when when something we we make confessions on this podcast and usually it's me that confesses and Jeff is the Jeff's, you know, the the figure who I would go to confession. I'm going to make a confession. Uh, I'm Jewish, so, you know, <laughs> confession. Yeah. But I, it doesn't matter. Confession is good for the soul no matter what your religion. All right? Okay. I'm going to confess something. Sure. When I first got the book and was going to read, I didn't know what to expect. And I'm not, you know, with the, and we'll talk about, you know, with, with the words and the letters and changing things or whatever. I didn't know what to expect and I've got, so I was kind of like, eh, all right, I'm going to read it and I don't think I'm going to like it. And I want to tell you something. I'm going to confess. I love, love, absolutely love this book. Love with a capital L-O-V-E. I'm going to tell you, this is the perfect, perfect book for me. All right. Yeah. And we're going to go into it in this interview, but I just want you to know, I had to confess I had to tell you, didn't expect to really, you know, just thought, okay, I love this book. Just want you to know that. And now we can move on. Now we'll move on. DB, what got you interested in the unique names of, of baseball players? And I, I, should, I should let the audience know that you are the go-to person for Jason Stark on his useless information blog. So. Uh, uh, yeah, Jason relies upon various people for various aspects of baseball trivia and statistical knowledge, and I am his go-to person when it comes to baseball names, and he'll ask me questions like, what is the shortest uh, surnamed pitching matchup to, that we ever had? Like, was it, and it might have been Dylan G and uh, Cliff Lee from years ago. So, yeah, Jason and I actually go back about 15 years. Um, I used to send him little statistical quirks when he was working at ESPN for his useless information column. And now, uh, yeah, so we've had, a good, we've had a good little partnership, you know, helping each other out. That's great. So what, what got you interested in the unique names of baseball players? Um, I've always been interested in words and the meanings of words, the origins of words, uh, etymologies, definitions, roots of words. Uh, I'm just a, a total nerd when it comes to trivia and factoids about the English language, and it sort of extended itself. My love of baseball came from my father because he would come over. My parents were divorced. He would come over, plop himself on the couch, turn on the TV, and turn on the Yankee game. And I quickly realized if I was going to relate to my father, it was going to be through baseball. And I grew up to be a baseball fan thanks to my father. So you, you sort of bring the two loves together, the love of words and the love of baseball. And it, it sort of metamorphosized into a love of baseball names and, and the origins of where the names came, came from and ethnicities and nationalities and are there specific meanings to the names themselves? Like, how did, how did Lasting's Millage get his name? You know, why, why is he called Lasting's? Because that's a pretty unique name. 
So it, 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 it all started basically from love of words from very early in my, in my childhood. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, you just like one second, man. you mentioned that you're a Yankee fan, but I, I know you, you lived within walking distance of Shea Stadium. Well, I'm, I'm not, I grew up a Yankee fan because my father was a Yankee fan. And we, I grew up in Jackson Heights, Queens, which is 10 minutes away from Shea. And when my father would come over and take me out to a ball game, because that was his favorite thing to do, we would take the 75-minute trip on the, D, on the uh, E train to the D train up to 161st Street, as opposed to taking the 10-minute subway, a seven-line trip to Shea Stadium. And I asked Dad, why can't we go to Shea? You know, it's still baseball. And he looked at me like I had three heads. Yeah, I, I would say I grew up a Yankee fan, but now I'm just a general baseball fan. Um, I tend to listen more to the Mets broadcast because I like Gary, Keith, and Ron on TV. They make the game fun, and they, they're not homers, and they, they know a lot about, you know, pitching and defense, and they, they keep the game interesting even when it's a blowout. So what I'm going to say, I think – and and I've heard you in other interviews. The main what I think you're underselling this the book, and I'm gonna tell you why. And and what I love, and what our listeners love, we love history. We love baseball history. That I can't get enough baseball history. The the current game is great. We talk about the current game, but baseball history is so rich, so wonderful, and we have listeners who just think you know we just had on john shea who did 24 you know all about willie mays right we just spoke to john passa all about yogi berra you know and and then we've had uh books on you know authors with our oscar charleston and 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 just all all sorts of history your book is filled with history and it's current history you know some of the players have just recently played some played Years ago, you had the greatest, uh, what some people consider the greatest shortstop uh, of the 19th century. But the facts and the history that you bring up about these players, forget the crazy names. I mean, it just, they have crazy names. But the history and the facts, that's what I, I, I couldn't stop reading. I just loved all of that. And I wasn't, I guess I, I wasn't expecting that. And and all the research that you did, I, I just, I salute you, and I think you have written an incredible book. Well, thank you. Um, I set out, I said, I didn't set out for this book to be sort of like a ha-ha, poking your finger, you know, making fun of these names. I wanted right. it to be something, I wanted it to be something more. I wanted it to be something of a reference book or some sort of educational value of bring, bringing these players' lives to life and, and explaining who these people were on and off the field. And I managed to achieve that by some of these players only had a cup of coffee, you know, or mm-hmm. less than a cup of coffee. Right. They, they had a sip of coffee. And they had a <laughs> sip of coffee 130 years ago. You're right. I did have players from the late 19th century, early 20th century, and those bio, those profiles are largely the result of 
work that was done by people like David Memick, uh, Lemick of, of Sabre, uh, who wrote baseball biography profile books of late 18th, late 19th century players, earlier 20th century players, and by researchers at Sabre who contribute to something called the Baseball Bio Project, which is basically a volunteer-driven an online encyclopedia of baseball players and executives and coaches and managers, anybody related to baseball, these volunteers, Sabre members, painstakingly go through and research every aspect of these players' lives and put it down, you know, and, and memorialize it for everybody to read. And there's over 5,000 profiles in the Baseball Bio Project. So... A, good, a, a decent portion of my research was was enhanced and fortified by the Baseball Bio Project and by the biographical profiles of David Nemec and a few others. Um, I also relied upon Ancestry.com for, you know, the, the family history and things of that nature, who they married, how old they were, how many kids they had. And then Newspapers.com was, was also very helpful in terms of just uh, origin stories of their names and things of that nature. So really the book was supposed to be sort of a hybrid between humor and education. And I think, I think I got it. Yeah. Oh, you got it. You (laughs) got it. Yes. I I'm telling you, you got it, Jeff. I, I, I love it. Yes. Seriously. I know I can't stop, but yeah. I recommend this book highly. It's not, you don't have to, you can skip around. And right. this is one of those books, people are going to take this in the bathroom with them. <laughs> you know, this is perfect. You know, this is, you could pick this up and, and just read a chapter, read a, a player. And and when you have this knowledge, then you're going to talk about it. Fantastic. Well, it, is a book, it is a book that you should pick up and read a little bit and put back down because it is very, de- it's kind of dense. There yeah. is a lot of, there is a lot of knowledge in, in the, in the pages and there, the book is organized so that the players are grouped based on whether they have rhyming names or scatological names or names that sound really, you know, melodious. Um, mm-hmm. but the, the individual player profiles are, are constructed so that you can pick it up and put it down and not, not feel right. like you're losing your place. Yeah, one of the things that I learned in, in this book, I was under the impression that you were giving the given names, which, you know, you, you think in a book of names, that they were given names. I was, learned, I, I was really surprised on that Bruce Bonzer, he actually it was not his given name, but he actually changed his name to legally to be Booth Bonds. I think Oprah Chris did the same thing, right? That he was the first name profiled, yes. Right. Um, I chose to stick with their given names for the most part, uh, for exa- with a couple of exceptions. People like Kai Kai Kyler, the famous outfielder from the 20s and 30s, his given, his given name is, is memorable enough. It's Hazen Shirley Kyler, his mother's maiden name was Shirley, so he—that's how he got his name. So I and I didn't want to do nicknames. I, I wanted to stay away from like Catfish Hunter and Blue Moon Odom and you know where the nick, nickname is the person. I wanted to I wanted to focus mainly on 
given names and because there's there's a real intent there on the on the part of parents to impart some history to their child you know whether it's it's naming the you know name of the child after their grandfather or you know after a a, a uh, you know egyptian god of some sort yeah so i really wanted to get get a sense of you know these people from not not from a nickname but from a real given name well let's let's i i would love to just throw out some names from the book and just give us what about the name intrigued you uh maybe there's i i know most of these names have an interesting stat uh, or not you know fact about them uh so let me just throw one out to you that people will know the name coco crisp Covelli, his given name is Covelli Crisp, and um, he, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, that his sister pegged him as Coco because it was it reminded her of the cereal Coco Crispy. <laughs> so, I love it. So yes, but it, his given name is Covelli Crisp, and, but nobody calls him Covelli; it's Coco. And he also had. He also has a neck piercing, which is kind of interesting. He has a little, a little like diamond stud in his neck that you could see when he was batting, and it was just was a little, a little off-putting at times. But <laughs> so, what about Ferris Fane? I thought that he, there was an interesting fact about his father. Oh, you're, you're, I, you're, no, it's okay. It's no, okay. no, go ahead, go ahead. He, so. Uh, his father came in second place in 1912 in the Kentucky Derby. Right. Right? Yes. That was, That's interesting, yeah. I, I know that our, our listeners, they love stuff like that. And then he, he was arrested, not his father. No, but, <laughs> but Fane was but arrested. Ferris Fane was arrested for growing marijuana in 1985. And then... He was arrested again, so I think he he did like a community service or whatever. Yes. But then yes. he was arrested again for and marijuana, <laughs> and he went to federal prison. That's right. Ferris Fane Fane's day off. <laughs> <laughs> well, wh- one of the names that we're familiar with is JJ uh, Poots, but being Jewish, I call him Putz because that's what it looks looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought very interesting about his chapter, and I, I love the, the the facts at the end. The ephemeria, I, I probably pronounced that wrong, but but he was uh, a roommate of Tom Brady. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. Boom. That's that's what I'm talking about. Right. So, so yes, it was a lot there. You know, between Wikipedia and newspapers.com, and just a lot of a lot of digging and and. Uh, <laughs> Cold and drafty places. I found I found some interesting uh, little notes about some of these players. So yes, they were roommates at Michigan. Yeah, and the pronounce the right pronunciation is Poots, right? Poots, right? AJ Poots, and it's also Sean Figgins, not Chone Figgins. <laughs> the book is split up into chapters, so it begins with. Baseball poets, the names are kind of, they kind of rhyme, right? They're rhyming uh, or yes. Yeah. Or, and they're, then or, for, or they're alliterative. Yeah. 
And then for our deviant, for our deviant uh, <laughs> listeners, and we definitely have a couple of those because I got a co-host that might be a little deviant. For our deviant listeners, we have the there's a chapter dirty names, and cheap, <laughs> which we'll talk about. And there's numerous chapters after that. So I I love how it's split up like that. But let's talk about the player Ed Head. If you do, you remember what's special about Ed Head? That his name rhymes and. <laughs> but you know what's good? Well, I have the I I read the book recently, and you could tell how much I loved it because. And, I, and I'm working on the second book, so I'm. I'm oh, I can't thinking. wait! I can't wait. Ed Head had a bad accident. He almost lost his left arm. He was going to the doctors wanted to amputate it. And he said no. And apparently he had an uncle, I think, who had a special. Right. um, uh, uh, And he said, you know, the arm could be saved. And they did. He saved the arm, but he learned to throw right handed. Right. Uh, He was injured in a bus accident Mm -hmm. uh, when he was just starting to be known for pitching. And he basically lost use of his arm. His his original arm for pitching, so he switched he switched arms and became a pitcher nonetheless. Can, now, can you imagine that? I mean, I can barely use. I, I'm a righty. I could barely use my left hand. So he he was good enough to switch arms and become a major league pitcher with the other arm. That's that's unbelievable. And he's, he's not quite. He's not quite pat. Pat Venditti, but he's close. Right. <laughs> and he apparently had some bad OCD because he had an unusual superstition. What was that? He had a, something about if it was he had to if it was his fourth win or something it was something he had to tap four times or yeah. he had to say something. Yeah. Right when he was in the bullpen, what what was that, DB? I think the pitching coach said basically. Uh, you know, you have to get four out, so tap your glove four times or something, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, was, uh, that was interesting. DB, I got a question for you that, you know, a lot of these names in the book are, are not familiar to baseball fans. Was that some type of concern to you? It was to a certain extent. I mean, but I didn't want to write about, for example – and I mentioned this in the, in the introduction, I didn't want to write about Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle's a great name, but everything has been written about Mickey Mantle. You can, mm-hmm. read, you can read Jane Levy's book about Mickey Mantle and learn everything you need to know or ever wanted to know about Mickey Mantle. I can't add anything to the story of Mickey Mantle. I could add to the story of Mickey Morandini if I wanted to. Right. Um, a lot, some of these players, and they, they, I specifically looked for players whose careers had already ended so that their, their playing careers were, were a fixed entity. And I could focus on, I didn't have to worry about, oh, what did they do in 2019? Because, you know, I'm, I'm, working, with, I'm working with deadlines and I've got to get the book out to, you know, to proof and things of that nature. So I, fo- I did focus on players of an earlier era. And, and yeah, some of these players 
you've never heard of before, or or most average fans do not know Johnny Dickshot, Jack Glasscock, the only Nolan. I mean, these people, you know, the, the players themselves, you don't you don't necessarily know them, but I wanted to try, you know, to say the entry point for your introduction to the player is their name. They, right. that, that name makes you sit up and take notice. And then their little story gets you to understand who the player is so that you have an appreciation that he's more than just a silly name or a weird name. He's, he's got a real career and life behind him. I mean, and these players, these players were people. I, they're, they're regular people like you and me. They, there, was, there was alcoholism. There was infidelity. There was murder. There was, there was suicide. You know, they went through. They went through the same stories that every every other person went through. You know, so I wanted to bring out the human side of 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 their of them, both positive and negative. You went really deep into some of these stories. You went to uh, and each each after each name, there's a. Like you said, a little biography on them, something, some what, what they did. You also have the best day of their career, which is really great. One of the names, the, the anagrams. How'd you go for the anagrams? It's just I, um, I, I love anagrams. I'm, I'm, I'm a tournament Scrabble player, as if I'm not nerdy enough. So I play, <laughs> I play Scrabble, and I love to anagram. I have anagram software so that when you throw in a given string of letters, it will rearrange them into uh, a coherent, you know, phrase of some sort. So there is a player, there, is a, uh, there was a Texas Rangers pitcher named Warner Madrigal, who pitched for the Rangers in 2008 and 9, and he wasn't very good. So his nickname, his, his anagrammed name was very apt. It was Marginal Reward. So... <laughs> You know, we you talk about players and, and, and ones that are known. I mean, we have a feature on our show that we do sometimes that's lesser known Hall of Famers. So, uh, you know, we'll, so they're all, you know, they're, they were good enough to get in the Hall of Fame, but a lot of them, you know, aren't known to anyone. And we'll talk about them and we'll read their plaque and stuff. We don't pick, obviously, you know, Mickey Mantle or Yogi Berra or the we go for the ones that are not known. That, right. That's, that's interesting to us. Yeah. One of the, one of the uh, interesting facts, I think it was this player, and, and I guess maybe I'm the deviant because I keep going to the dirty name section. So it might be me. I might be. But Pete, Pete Lecoq, yes. his, his father, you want to you take us down that road? All right. First of all, Pete Lecoq's father is the long t- was the longtime host of Hollywood Squares, Peter Marshall. And um, I believe Pete's given name is Pierre. So <laughs> there you go. But my favorite factoid about Pete Lecoq is that in what turned out to be Bob Gibson's final major league game, Lecoq hit a, his only grand slam of his major league career. And at the end of the game, Gibson basically said, you know, when Pete Lecoq hits a grand slam off of you, it's time to retire. And that's what he did. <laughs> See what I mean? That's, that's what I'm talking about there. Just, just the one little fact, you know, if I was in a bar and I said to someone, you know, tell me who's, you know, father, I could win a bet with, with that. Yeah. 
you know, nobody would ever know that. You know, well, that his father was the host of the Hollywood Squares. Oh, I'm not sure I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah. Another uh, another uh, player in, in the book, Sibby Sisti. His mm. name was Sebastian Daniel Sisti. And what I got, the fun fact I came out of that, listen, he was in the natu- he was in the movie The Natural, playing a part of the Pittsburgh manager. I mean, who knew that? that, that that's a great tidbit. Right. Well, you do have players who come on as technical consultants for movies and, and TV shows about baseball. Natural isn't necessarily my favorite baseball movie of all time, but it has its moments. Uh, I'm more of an eight men out person, even though it's factually uh, inaccurate. (laughs) Right. (laughs) What about Hanson Horsey? Love that name. Played one game and then he became an umpire? A long time umpire? Yes, he did. Uh, (laughs) Yes, we have players who... We, we have people in the book who really didn't uh, distinguish themselves on the playing field, but instead, I believe it was Johnny Knee who became a scout, uh, a top scout. And then we have players who, who became executives, in, you know, instead of having a great career. And Hanson Horsey is one of the players. And back in those days, there was, there was uh, not such a, a distinct line between the players' side of, of the field and the umpiring side of the field. You know, you think back to the origins of baseball, who were the umpires? But sometimes they were, they were you know, players who weren't playing normally. They, you know, they didn't have an organization of umpires. So, right. And then you have one, or- Orville Overall. Oh, um, yeah. Big groundhog, because he was born on February 2nd. And then you, see, you, you are definitely like us, because you, you did a line at the end, and you said his father was a hotel keeper at one time. And then you said he might say to someone, how was your overall experience? <laughs> <laughs> That's right in line with us. Yeah, I, 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 I do tell some dad jokes, you know, in the book. So. <laughs> Were you able to, to get in touch with any of the living players? Did you ever speak to them about their names? I did. I, I didn't speak. I spoke to the great grandson of Kai Kai Kyler. Uh, we have there turned out to be a mutual friend who works with uh, the great grandson of Kai Kai Kyler. So I spoke to him and I asked him about his uh, great grandfather's supposed stuttering problem. Is that how he got the nickname Kai Kai? And it turned out, you know, the grand, the great grandson said, "No, that's an absolute falsehood." Uh, they called him Kai Kai because it, it sounded like Kyler. You know, it was sort of shortening, shortening the last name, and that's what the outfielders called him when it was, you know, when the ball was coming towards him, they would shout Kai Kai, and and that's that's how he got his last name. I also tried to reach out to John Walkenfuss. The catcher for the Tigers in the late seventies, um, uh, because I wanted to get into the origin story of his last name. Um, I was trying to pin down exactly where, beyond ethnicity, what part of the country his last name would would come from. Uh, unfortunately, Mr. Walkenfuss is, I believe, suffering from dementia or or Alzheimer's at this point, so I wasn't able to talk to him. 
I did reach, I did reach out to Larvell Blanks, who was a middle infielder in the 1970s and 80s, uh, I think for the Braves. And I wanted to know his, his origin story for the name Larvell, because I couldn't find anything anywhere, newspapers, uh, baseball cards. I couldn't find the origin story for Larvell. So I sent a self-addressed stamped envelope with a request saying, you know, please, you know, I'm writing this book. I, I want to include you. Could you send me some information, either email or send back the, the envelope? And seven and a half months later, I get the self-addressed stamped envelope back. I open up the envelope. There's no explanation of his name, but there is an autographed baseball card. <laughs> so didn't speak to, I didn't speak to many, um, many of the players. I mean, a, a lot of them were, were no longer with us. But right. Yeah. So. Now, D.B., you, you self-published this book? I did, yes. But you had to put a lot of money into this. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping to break even. I'm, I'm close, but it, it's, it's a labor of love. It was a passion mm-hmm. project of mine. I had the idea for the book uh, seven years ago. And I, you know, I, I, I was friendly with John Thorne, the official Major League Baseball historian, and he got me in touch with a couple of niche publishers of, of baseball books like Skyhorse and McFarland and places like that. And they all said the same thing. We love the concept for the book. We just don't think it's going to sell. And six years, seven years later, I'm looking for something to write about, you know, because, you know, I've, I've been blogging for all these years. I've written articles and I wanted to do something a little more robust. And I thought, well, why don't I do the baseball profile book, baseball name profile book? And this time, you know, by this time, self-publishing world has exploded. Mm-hmm. It's become much more accessible to to the common person. And so, yeah, I've, I've, I've laid out a good amount of money to make this happen, but you know, it's, you know, the reviews have been very, very positive and the feedback I've gotten has been very positive and you know, the, the money has you know trickled in, but you know, it wasn't all, all, it wasn't really all about the money. It was, it was about seeing if I could do a book, you know, mm-hmm. you know which is a, a very dedicated labor intensive process. And, you know, so that, that was the reward at the end of the at the end of all of the effort. And if people wanted to purchase the book, where can they get it? And could they get a, a signed copy if they uh, if they wanted that? Yes, they can. Uh, they can get a, a regular copy of the book through Amazon.com, Barnable.com, or their local independent bookstore. If they want a signed copy, they should reach out to me at my email address, uh, dbfirstman at gmail.com, and I will tell them how to send me $20, and I will post, I will, I will inscribe the book, I will sign it and to whomever you want, and I will mail it back to you, postage paid, and we'll, you'll, have a, you'll have your own autographed book. And I, I noticed that you're part of the Pandemic Baseball Book Club, and there's a link on, on your profile where it takes you right to a, a bookshop where you can purchase the book as well. Yes, yes. So uh, we're, we're part of a whole crew of people who are trying to make the best of a bad situation. 
uh, it's really interesting. It, you know, you come out with a book and you put all this work into it and then the pandemic hits. And it's like, well, you're trying to sell a book, but, you know, I was supposed to do a major book signing at Foley's, the bar. Mm -hmm. We know well. And, uh, you know, and of course that got canceled and now the the Foley's is closing. Well, now people have a lot more time to read because they're indoors and they're sort of stuck in their quarantine. So it's a hard time to to sell a book. And that's why the Pandemic Baseball Book Club came together. We're, well, we're big supporters of the of the pandemic. Sorry, Jeff, but we're big supporters of the Pandemic Baseball Club. Big supporters of your book. And I really hope that people will buy it. I don't care if there's no baseball now. If you love baseball history, if you love just interesting tidbits, I mean, we only touch the surface. Right. You've got to buy this book. Because I I want I I know you did this for love. Listen, we do this podcast out of love as well. So we understand that. We want you to at least break even. Whatever, if we could put some shekels in your pocket, why not? And you know, we it, it's but the book. I mean, if it wasn't such a great book, I wouldn't tell people to buy it. Terrific. And Jeff, go ahead. I'm sorry, Phoebe. Uh, we appreciate your time. I got one or two more questions I wanted to ask you. Uh, I'm just curious. This is obviously a, a book of interesting names, that unusual names. Do you know of any surnames that are really are the most common in baseball? Like we know Smith and Jones. Are you know what's like the most common names in baseball? Do you have that top of your head? Johnson. I think Johnson might be the most common baseball surname. Although with the growing proportion that are from the Dominican Republic, that might be changing. But I, I still think it might be Johnson at this point. Randy Johnson, Walter Johnson, they, they don't suck. I'm no. like, I'm like <laughs> Tony Suck, who is actually is actually a name in the book. <laughs> I always knew of Van Lingo Mungo from the song. Van Lingo Mungo. Right. Um, reading his, his, his chapter in the book was very interesting. I didn't know he had such a temper. He was always fined and, and whatnot. Uh, but that was a, a really good trap up there. And uh, his pentagram is Vile Man Long Gun. So, uh, yeah, he, 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 you know, if you know the song Van Lingo Mungo, I, I suggest you read that, that chapter. Yeah. Um, you don't want to hear me sing it. <laughs> <laughs> me neither. Uh, D.B., anything else you want to tell us about the book? Any, anything else you want to uh, promote? Please, go ahead. Uh, I, I'm on Twitter at Dianagram, D-I-A-N-A-G-R-A-M. And I'd love to have more followers. Um, I'm tweeting about ba- baseball when baseball happens. And there's also real life that I tweet about, too. So I'm really appreciative of the time that you've afforded me here. And I'm thankful for having the, uh, a forum like this. And I wish you guys continued success with your entity here. Thank, Thank you. you. The name of the, of the book is The Hall of Name, Baseball's Most Magnificent Monikers by D.B. Firstman, and the forward is by, like we said, Jason Stark, and we wish you the best of luck, D.B. Thank you very much. And Thank you DB, so much. And one thing before you go, we need a promise from you. Yeah. If you come out with another book, yes. you must come on here to promote it. Of course. Because, okay, that's all. That's all. We have it recorded, so <laughs> you're coming back. Maybe I'll even... Wait. Maybe I'll even dedicate the book to you guys. There you go. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> to the deviant co-hosts. Yes. <laughs> baseball and barbecue. 
There you go. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, BB. And we thank DB for joining us for the whole of name. That was a great book. I, I enjoyed reading that. I like the anagrams, the origins, the stories in there. Really cool. Definitely recommend. And it would be very nice to give DB the support because it is a self-published book. And I'm sure that DB can use uh, all the sales, but it's worth it. Yeah. Really, really good. And yeah, the, and the artwork on the cover is just fantastic. Yeah. Now that's definitely one to put in your collection and it's one, you know, you'll pick up, you'll read some, you'll put it down. You'll, you don't have to go all over the place in the book. You don't have to follow any kind of page. Right. Uh Very, very good. And with that, we thank you for joining us. Glenn, any final words? Hope everybody is enjoying some nice weather. Get out there. Socially distance, but barbecue. Absolutely. And we're going to go out with our favorite song, Baseball Always Brings You Home. See ya.